Welcome to Canadian Defence Focus from CDR Radio, produced by Canadian Defence Review Magazine. This series of podcasts features interviews with leaders and experts in the defence industry, as well as reports and profiles on the very latest in defence technology. Good day, everyone. Welcome to CDR Radio. My name is Jody Atariwala, and I'm the aviation editor and senior staff writer for Canadian Defence Review, and I'll be your host for this episode. So today we're going to talk about the future of flying for Canada's military. We'll talk about how future pilots and aircrew will be trained, and who will help the Royal Canadian Air Force and Canada meet the future challenges our military and our country faces. We're joined today by Abir Kazan and Bill Ryan from Skyline. Skyline is a joint venture between two Canadian aerospace and defence companies, KF Aerospace, which is headquartered in Kelowna, British Columbia, and CAE, which is headquartered in Montreal. Both companies are the incumbent contractors providing training and support for the Royal Canadian Air Force at separate operational locations. One is in Southport, which is near Portage La Prairie in Manitoba, and the other is in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and in Cold Lake, Alberta. Together, through Skyline, these two Canadian companies hope to continue their important work by winning the contract for Canada's Future Aircrew Training Program, or FACT, which is set to be awarded in 2023. Abir Cousin is the Capture Manager for Skyline. She serves as the company's primary point of contact with the Government of Canada and guides a team of experts through the process of creating a solution for FACT that will best prepare future members of the Royal Canadian Air Force for the challenges of the 21st century. Abir has more than 20 years of experience in navigating complex defence proposals and contracts for CAE. Bill Ryan is the Deputy General Manager for Skyline. Bill spent more than 28 years as a member of the Royal Canadian Air Force, notably as a CF-18 fighter pilot. He served in the first Gulf War in Iraq and later served as a member of the Snowbirds. He was previously KF Aerospace's site manager for the Royal Canadian Air Force training program at Portage La Prairie. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Abir and Bill. Good day, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Jody. It's been a while since uh, you were wandering around the ramp in Portage taking pictures late at night. It's uh, good, good to hear you, my friend. It's great to be in touch with you too, Bill. And I remember those days very fondly. And uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have an opportunity to get back to Southport and some of the other locations if you guys are successful in this program. You're welcome anytime. Thank you, my friend. So, Abir, how about we start with you? And let me start by asking, why did CAE and KF Aerospace decide on this joint venture called Skyline? And where is the future aircrew training program at today? Well, thank you for that question. I'm really happy to be here to talk about Skyline and the future aircrew training program. So CAE and KF, they joined forces to actually offer a truly Canadian training solution for the future aircrew training program. Uh, We wanted to bring together the expertise of the two Canadian success stories. We have complementary set of expertise that makes up what is needed for the future aircrew training. 
as you just mentioned earlier, we are the current incumbent uh, for all pilot training for the RCAF, and we have a lot of lessons learned that we could apply for the future. We also truly believe in the, uh, the heritage, the military heritage, and the RCAF has a strong and proud history of excellence in military pilots. In fact, we've been training military pilots in Canada since World War II. We also, considering the current pandemic, even more so now, we, we, we fully support the Canadian industry. If you look at uh, the two parent companies you highlighted earlier in the introduction, CAE was founded in Montreal by an ex-RCAF officer in 1947 and KF by a Canadian entrepreneur in uh, 1970. And we are both headquartered, the two companies are headquartered here in Canada, and we've been working with the military for over decades. I think it's it's wonderful that two Canadian companies that have that rich history have joined forces to pursue this program. I think, you know, your history is clear. Many, many people know of KF Aerospace and, and CAE. So, uh, yeah, I think this collaboration uh, just makes a lot of sense. Um, it's kind of marrying up what you guys have done for years and I believe will enhance it, not only enhance it, but also expand it. So where is the future crew training program at today? Uh, if, you, if you don't mind just giving a bit of an update on that. So we're essentially still in engagement with the Canadian government, and we're expecting uh, the request for proposal to be released in the fall of this year and with an award date in uh, 2023. In fact, we will have about uh, eight months to, to respond to the, to the proposal. So that leaves us till the summer of uh, next year. To, to complete the proposal submission. Okay. So with fact now down to essentially two qualified bidders, what does Skyline bring to the program? What can you guys offer for, for the FACT uh, program? I mean, obviously, we are the truly Canadian uh, solution. That's the first key point that I would like to bring. It's very important considering the current situation, you know, from an economic perspective to, to leverage Canadian industry. But on from a technical perspective as well, if you look at the, the capability of the two parent company and also of the team, the extended team of partners and strategic subcontractors, but, you know, you look at the complementary nature of our expertise. So we built strength on strength. You mentioned that in the introduction is known for training and simulation worldwide. Uh, and then KF are known for in-service support. That complementary nature of the two companies coming together under one umbrella, building on previous experience in the context of the uh, Royal Canadian Air Force is quite important for the future. And we will talk later about innovation, perhaps. And CAE is known for innovation and research and development. And so, fact, we'll be able to benefit from a lot of the investment of the parent company to make sure that we don't have a static solution. And it's not only innovative at the onset, but it's also throughout the whole program. Right on. Yeah, I, I think that's extremely complimentary. And I, I'm, I absolutely will ask you about some of the future technologies that, that might be used. Bill, you served in the Royal Canadian Air Force for more than 28 years uh, as a fighter pilot, and you also served in various military operations and in leadership roles. So what were your experiences as a Canadian Air Force fighter pilot working with our allies, and how did you feel Canadian pilots compared to others in terms of the quality of training they received 
and their overall capability. Uh, well, thanks for that, uh, Jody. And I'm, I'm just going to add on to what Abir said is uh, I like to use taglines and uh, I can sum up everything to say this is uh, built by Canadians for Canadians. If you look from the inception of the who, who actually started that and who's doing it now and part of the community, you're looking at uh, the you know, Canadians that um, are invested in this right now and for the future. So now let's talk about me. <laughs> I think that's what all fighter pilots like doing, right, Bill? Uh, yes, yes. So I'm, I, I, I was very fortunate uh, to become a pilot in Canadian Armed Forces and, and travel around the world, not just in um, doing exercises and meeting other, other nations, but also in a couple of U, UN posts. And what I found is that training is good everywhere. But if you take Canada, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you an experience um, we're, we're a big country with a small population, so we have to be very careful about uh, who we select. And what Canadian training does, and, I, and, I, and I, I, I've worked with my Army brother in the Navy, is that Canada, the Canadian Forces, builds thinking aircrew, Navy, and Army folks, and especially in the pilots and aircrew when you're making those decisions. So we don't just teach people how to do something. We teach them how to think and make decisions. And the best... I would say example of that is when we go to uh, UN operations and I, and I did a few and you're working in small units somewhere, not necessarily at the headquarters, everybody wants a Canadian and there could be 20 or 30 countries there. I'm not saying that, you know, they don't have good training, but everybody wants a Canadian there because they value our ability to make decision stuff. And that's, it's a compliment where wherever I go in the world, we have a good reputation as our Canadian training. And that's why we want to keep it in Canada, done by Canadians. So that's pretty much it. It's uh, I don't, no, no big war stories. It's just uh, it's a compliment that we usually get, most Canadians get when we uh, go to different UN missions. That's wonderful to hear. I think that's a very key distinction that you make, Bill. Yes, you can probably train pretty much anyone to do any task or, or any uh, role, but you also want them to be nimble and responsive and and adaptable it actually makes me feel good about our royal canadian air force to know that that's the type of training that they receive and that's the type of capabilities that they that they can offer to you know to whether it's a canadian um, led mission or or a joint coalition type exactly and uh, working together with them is that interoperability too and we're always learning from them as well but again we have a good reputation Right. Absolutely. Well, so you've worked on the business side of this, notably as KF Aerospace's uh, site manager at the Air Force training program in Southport. So from your experience being on both sides of the coin, how do you see Skyline best suited to prepare the next generation of Canadian pilots and aircrew? Yeah, uh, that's, a, that's it's interesting. When I, when I started working there as the site manager on the civilian side, so it was like deja vu. I went back to the same place where I did my basic training about 40 years before. Wow. And uh, yeah, it was good. So what has changed? What has changed is technology. So again, I'm talking 40 years ago, I practiced on a, a picture on the wall and um, I had, we had blackboards, maybe whiteboards. Nowadays, of course, the technology has changed where you're still teaching the same thing as you're trying to impart the knowledge from the instructor to, to the student, and uh, it's, it's how you do it. So there's been an advance in technology. I see that. 
So that's kind of what's changed. The other thing is the demographics is um, we're starting to see, and, and I, I was able to witness that uh, more women in flying as students and in training indigenous. We're still not there yet, but those are the changes, sort of the big, big things that, that, uh, that I've seen. The other thing that uh, I found interesting on the other side is I didn't realize the amount of work it took to, to get a pilot in the air. I'm talking from the feeding, the housing, to the simulators, to the maintenance, to the uh, snow removal, to air traffic control. And because we do that now, uh, that's what KF does in support of the Air Force. You, you understand just how much work is done to make that happen and how involved the people are. And then what the biggest thing, because I was going through there as a student, is that we're part of the community. Let's say the people that are doing the snow removal, they're neighbors with the person, the young student that's going flying. So we're part of the community. So those are, those are the things that I found different looking at it from the other side. Yeah, you know, I think that most people would probably be really surprised at all the different facets that go into training pilots. And I think one of the distinctions, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Bill, but I think one of the distinctions of the future crew training program is that it's also going to encompass air crew, not just pilots. So, yes, initially it was future pilot training. But uh, so we have uh, the training in Moose Jaw. We have uh, training in Portage. But in, in Winnipeg at Fort Two Squadron, they train the rear crew, which is the air combat systems officers and the, the ASOPs. And um, they are an integral part of any mission that goes on. If you're looking at from uh, a lot of our helicopters and our maritime patrol aircraft. And so that training was added on there. And we actually, uh, in the old days at uh, CFTS, we actually did some of the, the training on the navigation for the students for the, for the rear air crew. And also CEE has some of their equipment that they use for, for the training out there. So we do have a link with uh, Winnipeg and 402 Squadron. So it's, uh, it's an easy transition because, again, when you talk about air crew, you're still talking about airspace, you're still talking about leadership, you're still talking about decision making. So there's a lot of similarities in the way the training is done. Right. And uh, so I suspect it's a matter of incorporating that in and then also being able to to scale up because it is adding on to just, you know, what otherwise would have been pilot training. Correct. And like I said, the similarities. So we're going to purchase aircraft for, for the Air Force. We're going to maintain the aircraft. We're going to provide simulators for the aircraft, we're going to provide instructors and all of the other ancillary things that go to making that work. So again, those are the similarities. That's why it's, it's an easy add-on for us and the experience that we have as, as Skyline, not just with the, not with just with C and KF, but all of our other strategic partners. Right. So Abir, Skyline is a joint venture between two Canadian companies, as we've mentioned. Um, so can it, it obviously KF Aerospace and CAE, um, the latter of which you've been at for now 20 years. Um, how will the capabilities and expertise from the parent companies and subcontractors, like Bill just mentioned, feed into this program? Yeah, before I, I guess I answer this, I'd like to add one more point, I guess, to Bill's uh, response. And, and you know, when I mentioned in, in my previous response in context to the RCEF, like, it's really important to understand that the future aircrew training program is very unique if you compare it to the uh, international allies program, uh, none of which have the same magnitude and scope 
and none of which has been executed in under one umbrella. Like some of some of those programs have been executed under multiple programs. Here we're taking two programs that are currently run by CDNKF and then um, a current D&D operation for, in Winnipeg. And all of this is being replaced by the future equitraining and hence the, the importance of understanding this from the context of the Canadian, right? And, and, and I wanted to add that point to, it's not just like another international program. It's very unique and it's, it's very important that we get this right. And I think that's why Skyline is, is also better positioned for this. So I wanted to add a little bit on that before I move on, uh, I guess, to answering the question. So, you know, I and we did talk a little bit about uh, some of the, the elements in relation to that question. So the, the, uh, the compatibility between the two parent companies and the fact that we have we have some overlapping capability. Obviously, we do pilot training. We run the operations in Moose Jaw and uh, and uh, and Southport, but we also have our niches, right? And 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 CAE is known for for air crew training and simulation worldwide. You know, KF is known in uh, maintenance, repair, and overhaul and uh, airworthiness. So the the in service support uh, industrial capability is what KF is very strong at, and C is very strong at the training and simulation key industrial capability, and hence the 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 beauty of this because we be fact is a training program, but it's all about training and simulation and in service support. And you look at our team of. Canadian subcontractors, and they also come with a variety of in-service support capability, training and simulation capability, and then support function, supporting the schoolhouse, like site services um, and whatnot. So it's it's a full turnkey solution. So we have a very complementary team of Canadian companies, including um, you know, Lockheed Martin Canada, Circo Canada, Palais Aerospace, Canadian Helicopter. Canadian-based operator and ATCO and Blue Drop, Blue Drop being in a small, medium business as well. They're also an important part of our team. You know, it's not lost on me that you guys, uh, obviously, you know, you're the incumbents, but as the incumbents, you have you have that network and that footprint already existing. So I can't help but think that's an advantage, not just an advantage in terms of personnel and that footprint, but the know-how. So, uh, you know, I think that that just makes for such a great combination to to pursue this this program. At least that's what it seems to me. Absolutely. You need to understand the stakeholders and their needs and their expectation in order to deliver a successful program. And there is a uh, a lot of stakeholders involved in this as we, you know, and we have the best, uh, the better knowledge of those stakeholders. Bill, I don't know if you wanted to add something to that. That's a key point that uh, you, you, you make, Jyoti, because this program is going to be um, bringing it on the transition is going to take, uh, you know, up to five to seven years, three to five different aircraft, three different bases, and all of the people on the training. So if the list of companies that Abir mentioned are doing it now with us, so the transition from going to one to the other, it's not going to stop one day and start the other. It's going to have to be, you know, incremental. And because we're already there, because we already have the knowledge, we already have the training, the transition, which is one of the biggest risks for the Air Force, is going to be mitigated by just that. Now, I, I have to be honest saying is one thing about uh, 
being the incumbents, of course, we won't make the mistakes from before because of all the lessons learned. We'll make different ones. I'll be the first to admit that. But at least we know we have lessons learned because we've been doing this for quite a while. You know, I think that's uh, that's a very honest and sincere statement, Bill. And it, because, yeah, it, it, there's always going to be mistakes made. But boy, you know, if you if you're coming in with lessons learned uh, and also a knowledge, uh, like a deep knowledge of the customer, which you guys have, that's a heck of a, a leg up. So, Abiri, CAE, um, you know, you've been with the company for 20 years. So, CAE is known for producing and exporting, you know, the full motion flight simulators for both civilian and military applications around the world. Obviously, CAE is, is very well known for that. But the company is also really leaning forward into emerging technologies such as virtual reality and augmented reality and data analytics. And it has made a big push into the U.S. defense market, particularly through their recent acquisition of L3 Harris's military training business in the U.S. So will we see new technologies and innovations used for the Canadian training program as well? Absolutely. But before I I carry on with some of the ideas that we have here, I just want to highlight one key point about CAE. So you're right, CAE is known as a product or simulator for civil and um, and uh, and military but in fact CAE is a trading system integrator we offer turnkey solution to civil uh, and defense customers worldwide we have trading centers that we we own and operate and have civilian customer come in and train there uh, wet and dry training and then we also do the same thing on the military side here at home and uh, as well internationally so it definitely see is it has capability broader than than the simulators and technology the simulators are still a core capability for CAE and they're part of our you know, turnkey solutions typically in some of those uh, big endeavor that we have or opportunities and projects we have. So I wanted to make that point because it's important to note that uh, we offer turnkey solution, which is what we do, you know, here, right? It's it's really a turnkey solution. And looking back at, you know, the emerging technology, CAE invests a lot of uh, Uh, a lot of uh, R&D money to evolve our technology, to innovate uh, and do things differently because of what is what is needed by our customer, because some 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 specific needs, some specific issues that we always keep our eye on and say, okay, well, now we need to train the pilots faster. We need to train them more effectively, more efficiently. How do we do that? We work with our customer worldwide and we create some uh, some new products, find some innovation that we deploy and, and do try out with, with our customers uh, worldwide. So, you know, last year we had a contract with the U.S. Air Force to do some of that, to to uh, to deploy uh, some, uh, some of those uh, new technology, new emerging technology. And we definitely want to do the same thing for Canada. We invest in R&D. We are supported by our government to do those R&D programs. And we want the Canadian government to leverage when they're investing in us, those new technology and new innovation. And considering this program is generational, as I mentioned before, this is an ongoing thing. We want uh, to address the need of our customer worldwide, but also we need to look at home. So what will FACT need and how do we align our innovation roadmap with what is required for the future equity training? 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and Bill, you know, building off of that, uh, what do you think the near future of pilot training in Canada looks like? And, you know, how can you leverage these technologies to continue being leaders in military flight training? And I have to ask, because I think I would be remiss if I didn't, you know, we talked about the fact of, of buying new aircraft and things like that. Is there anything you can share along that? Or is it a little bit too early because the RFP isn't out yet? It is a little early because the RFP is not out yet and they're still changing the requirements. So, uh, right. So, yeah, so we, ha- we haven't got to that uh, fidelity yet. Uh, so we can't do that. But, but to your question, I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm an old guy, so I, I, I can answer your question about uh, leveraging these technologies by going back to what I said earlier about uh, I, I showed up 40 years ago, you know, with a pad and a, and a, and a pen. The uh, young students show up right now and they've got their phone and their iPad, and they can do everything on it, everything. And so we have to adapt to that. So again, where I, where I was uh, sitting in a room with a picture of a cockpit, these young men and women are going to have uh, virtual reality, reality glasses, and they're going to be able to do a lot more to prepare themselves for the missions. Because, you know, it's, it's not technology for the sense of technology, because teaching somebody how to fly or work, work, work a radar on the back end is the same. You know, it's how we're going to do it. And of course, the Air Force wants us to, you know, reduce time in training, reduce the cost, maintain the standard, right? And mm. so that's what we're looking at doing. And so we're going to use these, this modern technology to assist in that. Because remember, they are training aids. And we have the, like I said, with CE, you've heard about it. CE has that technology. We've got, you know, there's also just fixing the aircraft and that all can be used. So what I see in the future is, you know, somebody new coming different from me with all of the tools and the new technology that's needed to build an air crew that that the Air Force can use because all of the aircraft are going to fly are all modern now too. Right, right. I was going to ask you, what's a pad and a paper? Or, <laughs> what's a... <laughs> I, I still have it. I still have it. <laughs> I, I, I do too, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Abir, let's, let's switch gears here a bit. Canadians recently observed our first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. And while this was largely a day for mourning and remembrance of victims and survivors of the residential schools. Um, there's also a strong call across the country uh, to make to take meaningful actions. So, does Skyline plan to engage with Indigenous communities, um, and will Indigenous businesses and people be part of your solution for the future agro training program? Absolutely. Uh, we've been at it for the last, uh, I would say, couple of years. Uh, we've been very active in engagement with the uh, Indigenous communities around the two provinces where FACT will be, will be operating. We are looking at uh, job opportunities, subcontracting opportunities, and, and obviously skills and development opportunities. So there are a lot of areas of expertise that were currently uh, current capacity exists in the Indigenous community. Uh, However, some that don't, and we want to look at how do we build on that, right? How do we create new opportunities and using skills and development, considering the the long-term nature of the future training program. So we may uh, focus on certain areas at the beginning of the program and then at the same time run run some some, uh, skills and development opportunity for the future uh, of the program. 
Excellent. And, and what other ways would choosing a Canadian-based solution, like in Skyline, benefit Canada, particularly as we look to recover from the pandemic um, and other challenges that we might face? I think it, that's probably another aspect that you guys have learned a lot because you've been operating in this environment. Uh, and quite honestly, I don't see it uh, leaving anytime soon. I think we're going to be very much in a new normal. You gave the, uh, the the right example, Jyoti. Is that we learned a lot from COVID. Is um, that if we don't if we don't manufacture it here or have the training here, then we have to wait in line. That says a lot for for Canadian training. Like we've been doing, we're not the biggest air force, but if we lose that capability to do it to do it here, I think it may hurt us later. And that's why it's important we keep that homegrown training capability that we are famous for here. So that's that's one of the big lessons I got out of COVID. Abir, how about yourself? Jobs, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it is jobs is a very important COVID or no COVID, right? And and I think, you know, even more so now, you know, we talk about creating new jobs. A lot of people focus on that, but the reality is is it's about that, but it's also about sustaining existing jobs. We have a team of Canadian companies that operates from coast to coast to coast with over 15,000 Canadian employees that, you know, uh, we, we rely on a program like FAC to sustain our, you know, the jobs and create new opportunities for the future. So I would, I would really focus, this is very important for the Canadian industry you know, in comparison to potentially other, you know, provider, there may be less Canadian content, maybe less uh, work done in Canada. And this is where it's very important that we do this in Canada by Canadian for Canadian. Yeah, we have to keep the, the aerospace industry. It, we want to keep the expertise and the jobs here in Canada. I think that's very important. I agree. I agree. So the last question to both of you is, where do you see Skyline 10 years from now? And what future opportunities might be available to Canada if Skyline is chosen for fact? Abir, how about we start with you? Yeah, thank you. Uh, this is a great question. And, uh, you know, from I've, I've done a lot of program management. So, you know, I wear my program management hat and I obviously I want a successful program, right? I want a collaborative program, uh, an enterprise, a fact enterprise that constitute both uh, the contractor and the customer uh, joined to the hip, working together, uh, succeeding towards training our, our air crew. I mean, we are Canadian. We want what's best for our uh, Royal Canadian Air Force. We take this close to our heart. And I, to me, this is uh, of utmost important that we are collaborative and we're working together towards uh, mutual success, mutual objectives. And I'll let Bill add to that because I'm sure he has great uh, points to make. Thank you for the vote of confidence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, Judge, we we formed Skyline for future air crew training, and that's and that's our that's our goal right now. But you're right; if we succeed here, is another part of what's good for Canada. If I can see us exporting this expertise other places around the world as training goes on, so I see a future for that. And there's also follow-on things that are happening in Canada, like uh, future fighter lead and training. Those are the kind of things. But right now, our our goal is to win future air crew training and keep it uh, with, with, with a truly Canadian company. Right on. One step at a time. One step at a time. You bet. Absolutely. 
Excellent. Well, uh, Abir Cousin and Bill Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's uh, It's been a pleasure. I've, I've really enjoyed this chat. And I hope that our, our listeners have the opportunity to learn something new. And I encourage them to take a moment to visit Skyline at their website. And you can find them at uh, S-K-Y-A-L-Y-N-E dot C-A. And I also encourage our listeners to visit Canadian Defence Review, uh, CDR, at CanadianDefenseReview.com. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful day. And we look forward to seeing you on another episode of CDR Radio. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jody. Tune in next time for another Canadian Defence Focus podcast from CDR Radio. CDR Radio.